0: Very, very warm welcome to the Financial Freedom Podcast, delivered as ever with personality by the team from Rachel Bell Wealth Management and their special guests. You join us today for an episode called Spinning Plates. We've got a very special guest that we're going to get to in a minute. But before we do, please note that the discussion points we cover in this pod are our own views or those of the guest speakers and do not constitute financial advice. We always recommend that you speak with a professional before considering your own situation and taking action now it's a pleasure as ever to welcome practice principal rachel to the studio hello rachel hello james and we're also joined by rachel's trusty sidekick client experience director pam brown hello there pam how are you doing
1: hi james well
0: thanks now we've got a very very special guest with a very diverse cv in the shape of richard miller rich is an equity partner with Carlisle-based law firm Bennetts, who have offices in Carlisle and across Penrith, Cockermouth and Newcastle. Richard has also set up a number of businesses locally, from self-storage to a car wash cafe. And to top it all off, and this really is magnificent, Richard is a world leading judge of budgies and is often asked to travel far and wide because of the reputation he and his father have built in this arena. Richard Richard's a massive champion and very passionate about his home, County of Cumbria, and I'm sure we're going to get onto that, supporting local businesses and people, as well as championing all things Cumbrian farming as part of the agribusiness team at Burnett's. He also heads up the property team. What an intro. Richard, you are very, very welcome to join us.
2: Wow. I'm not, I'm not sure I can live up to that, but thank you very much anyway.
0: Now, I'm intrigued to talk budges with you uh, a little later down the call, First First of all, it would just be really interesting to hear in a bit more detail what you do in and around your role at Burnett's and, of course, these uh, extra businesses that you uh, you have. And then we're going to get talking about how we possibly manage to have a business and look after the finances linked to the business while also paying the right level of attention to our personal finances. It's uh, a real difficult challenge. Lots of business owners face it. Um, this episode's called Spinning Plates for that very reason. Um, over to you, Richard. Tell us a bit about you.
2: Well, thank you very much for the opportunity of speaking with you. Uh, I am an equity partner with Burnett Sisters. I've been here since I was a 15-year-old work experience kid. I'm now 39, approaching 40, and I've never left. Um my role in the business is that i look after agricultural clients that's my specialism so anything from uh, farm sales purchases business strategy advice succession planning anything to do with that sector um i'm I'm heavily involved with as part of the team but overall i have a more strategic role with uh overseeing the wider property team. So I I, I help uh, Robbie Mayther and Helen Haywood with the commercial property team. I oversee residential under the stewardship of of Catherine Hill and also our uh, banking team that's based over in uh, Newcastle, headed by Sarah Wilshire. So I have more of a sort of a a strategic role across those departments and I'm part of the management board uh, of the firm as well. So I have a a quite heavy involvement in the the, the business of, of Burnett's. Uh, aside from that, I um, manage uh, a, a small commercial property portfolio, which I took on from my mother and father in around 2005. And from that, there are various spin-off businesses, including uh, Cumbria Storage Solutions, which is a self-storage business that I run with my, uh, my lovely wife, Sarah, and uh, Car Wash Cafe, which is based uh, in the center of Carlisle, just along from the British there. Uh, as well as uh, a, a few other things uh, included, so um, I have a, a broad interest in in uh, businesses uh, within uh, the Burnets uh, and also uh, outside of that
0: so when it comes to to spinning plates you you've got a crockery set there that's worthy <laughs> of uh, it's worthy yeah. of a wedding gift list Richard
2: yeah I think yeah if you throw into that that you know the um that dad and I have a, a world champion. Three-time world champion uh, exhibition budgerigars that we we breed about 500 birds a year. We exhibit them, we export them, we sell them, we do uh, lectures and presentations and judging all over the world. Yeah, it's fair to say that um, there isn't a lot of capacity for for spare time. That is fair to say. So I think spinning plates is a is a pretty good uh, pretty good summary of my life, really.
0: We've been lucky enough to have guests on the pod over the last few weeks that have really been very honest about their own personal circumstances they've laid themselves bare in many ways mm-hmm. so I think if you're comfortable Richard it would be good to understand um, yeah. you know where you are in terms of the business but perhaps more fittingly the the, the personal finance side of things in your journey to we speak about financial freedom
2: yeah. where are yeah. you on that journey yeah, I think that's that's yeah. I'm I'm quite happy to be truly honest about that. I, I have always been very entrepreneurial and very kind of just get on with it, roll your sleeves up, and just keep going, just keep going, just keep going, as opposed to taking advice along the way. So I, I think I'm I'm pretty late uh, for where I at the age of 39 really in terms of where I would want to have been for my financial planning. And that really is because I was just so caught up in in doing what I needed to do to get to the next level in my career at Burnett's, doing what I needed to do with the family business and the offshoot offshoot companies as well, just trying to make a, a better life for myself and, and my family really. And I, I I knew that I needed at some point to sit down and look at my pension properly, look at actually where you know you you've said to yourself Richard that you want to you don't want to be a sixty five year old uh, lawyer, you want to be doing uh, other things uh, at a certain point in your life but actually have you ever sat down and, and thought about how that could work and I hadn't. Um, I was lucky enough to have come across Rachel and her team through people that I'm obviously advising uh, in the capacity of my work and uh, straight away I kind of I got the feeling that I, I needed some help, I needed someone to take the the stress and the anxiety of actually dealing with your your financial planning, uh, and I needed someone to kind of would be robust enough to um, tell me how it was and to um, keep on at me because I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I like to think that I do a very good job of looking after clients on a day to day basis, and I am there, you know, 24 7 if they need me. Um, but actually, when it comes to looking after my own finances, it actually comes down the priority list from theirs, which is quite uh, ironic, really someone that constitutes himself to be a professional advisor. So uh, the opportunity of working with, with uh, Rachel, Pam and team uh, really was a, was a sort of a, I remember the first meeting we had and I just laid it all out on the table, the different businesses, the plans that I had, uh, that my wife and I had, um, and just basically said, right, what do you think? I, I need someone to, to, to look after me properly. And um, straight away, just a very uh, sort of warm feeling of reassurance came on from those conversations.
3: That's really, uh, really good of you to say, Richard. Thank you. And it's 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 great to be part of the journey with you. But one of the points that you touched on there about um, coming too late, and you were really busy doing everything that you wanted to do, I think that's a really important point to pick up on. Because when you are a business owner, it doesn't matter what arena you're in, your priority is very much getting everything off the ground. And as an entrepreneur, you come out with all sorts of different ideas and you've been part of the family business with your dad. So I think that that, quite rightly, has been a priority. Um, and the, the, whilst there is never too early to start, I certainly don't think you're too late. But I think the key thing is that you realised actually that it could be of benefit to you to kind of look at bringing everything together and looking to achieve what you, what you wanted your future to look like but you'd already yeah, done a pretty
2: absolutely. good job. Yeah, I think it's just the simple things, isn't it? So, for example, um, you know, I, I, the, the discussions about pension I had with with one financial advisor when I started my career at Burnett's at the age of 22, you know, I, I didn't really have a follow-up conversation on that, uh, Rachel, until I sat down with you and talked no. about pensions and the benefit and how how they can be utilised both personally for tax efficiency purposes and also actually in terms of, uh, commercial business investment going you know going down the line all that was 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 really really obviously positive but it's you know personally it would have been better if I'd had that you know years in advance so that's a realization for me and one that i try and share with as many people as possible now um that yeah things are things are really good uh, and like you say i'm not too late but it would have been better if I'd started thinking about it properly earlier and and, and you know having a more of a a detailed plan as it were as to as to what i was going to do and, and another example was the life insurances i thought i was well covered for life insurance actually when i sat down with you yes i was well covered probably in financial terms but it was all on me so it made me look particularly attractive on a, a cliff edge on a ski slope or something like that <laughs> for, my, for my wife to give us a nudge um but in terms of you know sarah wasn't covered um and in terms of what the cover was for which it was for life it wasn't for critical illness and then you start and think about the other aspects that you know, you just you haven't you haven't really uh, you know given yourself protection for so um, yeah. The, the, as a, all, all I would advise anyone is as early as possible. Basically, sit down with someone like yourself and start and map out what you what you think your your journey might be and how you'd like it to 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 work.
0: That's very interesting and not dissimilar to where I find myself actually, or found myself actually. I found myself a couple of years ago. I think that for people listening to this, they will say, "Here's a guy that's enjoying." success in his career and has got his finger in a number of uh, pies be it cakes at the car wash or <laughs> budgie treats um yeah rachel for, for for people listening to the pod that perhaps are one person enterprises or you know aren't a, a partner in a, a law firm of significant size with with other business interests what's what's the message to them
3: i think don't be frightened to ask um, the questions, or or you don't have to have a lot of money to make a start on your own financial plan. It's about it's about that. It's about having a plan. And if you sat down and your priority is to make sure that you um, don't have the overdraft for your business, that you get through the first year in business, to just have somebody that you can have that conversation with to give you some guidance, whether it's helping with budgeting, um, whether it's helping with looking at forecasting your finances, whether it's looking further into the future for what you want to achieve from it and having some realistic goals, starting off from day one and having in your mind a journey that you want to go to is also a big step. Um, And it doesn't have to mean a, um, a massive contribution from anybody at the start. Just knowing where to go to to ask the questions would be a key thing for me. And I think at the moment, um, where we are at the moment with, uh, with the economy, especially looking at the budgeting and how to manage your day-to-day money. And that's something that we're really, really quite happy to, um, to help with and to talk about, especially um, in the climate that we find ourselves in at the moment.
0: And what do you think are the risks as a, as a business owner in not paying the right level of attention to personal finances as well as business finances? Where do they lie
3: I think the the risk from um, a business owner's perspective is because the two blend into one. And as Richard said, you know, when you're a business owner and you know, James, if a client wants something, you will work a 12 hours on a bank holiday to make that happen. If it's yourself and there's something else planned for that bank holiday, it goes to the bottom of the pile. And I think that's the very nature of a business owner. The risk is that you get so engrossed with the day-to-day running of your business and delivering that, that you forget what the journey's about and where you want to end up. And without having a plan, the risk is that you could end up being 65 year old, still an equity partner in a law firm, um, not knowing what the end game and what your financial freedom looks like. So again, it's about having the conversation and the risk is if you don't look at it and you don't have the conversation, how are you ever gonna know how to plan for what you want?
0: Excellent answer. Richard, I'm curious to uh, hear some of your insights because you must deal with many, many businesses um, over the course of a a working week and a month. And some of the things you see without, of course, going into too much detail about who the businesses are or any detail for that matter about who the businesses are. But uh, before we do that, Pam, where do you come in in this process? Let's say that um, an individual, a business person, a business owner, they've been in such, they've had an, an initial or an initial number of consultation meetings, as can be the case sometimes. What, what's your role in this process?
1: Well, I can describe that by picking up on something that Richard mentioned um, just a little bit earlier about, about time, about having the time and, and, and about how, you know, um, once, once he'd made that initial contact, that just having me... Because this is where my role comes in. Um, just, and actually, I think if you remember, Richard, I may have asked permission to not necessarily harass you, but certainly permission to keep on at you. Um, no, no,
2: I need. I I need that massively because yeah. I'm, 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 I'm terrible. I do that with my clients, but yeah. I, uh, I also very much need it done, uh, done to me. Yeah, correctly. we,
1: we, we will have had the conversation where I say, look, I, I will be, I will be sending you emails. I will be calling you to remind you because once you have that meeting with us, then. It's an information gathering process. It's, and I need I need certain bits of information from Richard and Sarah for us to then progress to the next stage. And once you, Richard, go back to your working working week after the meeting with us, it's quite easy for you to then forget things that you have to send me, things that you have to do. So I, I quite often do ask permission of our clients to uh, to, to just give them those gentle nudges and, and maybe not so gentle sometimes um, to make sure that we, we can continue working in the background for them while they get on with the day job.
0: So you, you keep the process moving effectively? Yes. Keep it on track?
1: I try, Richard, don't I?
2: You do, and right now I feel guilty already.
1: With
2: the, <laughs> the, 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 the list the I owe you already. Pam, I, I, yes, think, I, I
1: think I think there actually may be some outstanding items that you need to send me, Richard. Uh, I
2: think that I think, yeah, I think yeah, I think that's probably going to be a, the, the the sort of the story uh, of our journey together, partner. Yes. That sense. Yeah. yes. yes. Yeah. But
1: I think it's actually important
3: to say at this point that you know you are really not on your own, Richard. And no. it's it's a common theme um, across all business owners, and I, you know I do it as well. We all do it because. It's not because you don't want to. It's just that it just
2: kind of time just flies. That time flies, and you constantly, you, you know, you you work as hard as you possibly can. You give it everything. So when you do get any kind of downtime where it's like, oh, I should be doing this, you just you just you know, I don't know, you, you just you just crash, um, yeah. whether it be holiday time or whether it be a weekend or whatever. It's uh, that that's that's the reality of I guess being in business and having that level of demand on your day to day life.
3: Yeah. Definitely, and I think it's one of the things that we want to get across is that it's okay to be that way, and just by being that way, I wouldn't, en- wouldn't want anybody to have that as a barrier for engaging in the conversation, because as long as yeah. we have got your permission, then we will kind of just prod you and be that little niggle to say Pam needs that list, um, or you know, whatever information it is. It's, I mean, to be, I was exactly the same, Richard, you had to chase me. Um, for some documentation to get some things finished off for me. So we all do it. Mm. And it, but it, and it's okay. Um, because yeah. as long yeah. as you've got somebody that's part of your team to help continually drive it, uh, then that's the main thing.
0: Let's hear, let's hear a little more about your business insights. What do you encounter on a week-to-week basis in terms of um, business owners who... I've just got their head buried and it's very difficult to see the wood for the trees. Are there any sector specific examples or um, over to you?
2: Well the the, the agri sector which is where you know where, where the bulk of my work is conducted is a, is a classic example of that head down you know uh, in terms of the personal strain that it takes on on individuals that work in that sector. It's unbelievable the hours that they work, the, the level of the sleep that they're deemed to be acceptable um and, and quite frankly, it's a very traditional world in, in many senses still, whereby you know money isn't talked about so much, or, or certainly the concept of succession planning and you know what is going to happen, when, you know when are the the, the kids going to come into business, when am I going to take a step back, how am I going to take a step back, how am I going to fund that, am I going to remain a sort of. You know, full uh, profit sharing uh, part in the business. Am I going to, t- you know, take take a slightly slower pace? And we're going to go and join a golf club. You know, it, it, it's 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 a really diverse sector in that sense, and it's one that is very much open for um, a huge amount of work to be done because it just most of the time proper succession planning like that, along with um, personal financial planning, just doesn't happen. It just doesn't. It just. It's a day-to-day slog. It's the, always about the business. What needs to be invested in the business? What needs to be grown? What 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 issues need to be dealt with at any particular time? That's where the focus is. Um, and it's only with professionals like ourselves that take a genuine interest in people's long-term uh, prosperity uh, and well-being. That only then can you really sort of uh, force your way in to make people realise that this needs to be dealt with. You know, people not doing wills. You know, we I have significant farming clients that still have, have wills that they've they've had in place since they were 21. You know, before they were married, before they had children, and um, and they just haven't sat down and and thought about you know what needs to be done. There's this kind of uh, relaxed, almost it will be reet, uh phrase <laughs> that I hear time and time again, and you know, it it just won't actually. Um, yeah. And you know, there's significant value at stake. There's 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 lots of Uh, tools to hand that can be used in terms of the tax planning if they work well with their accountants and the financial advisor and the solicitors. There's a a lot that can be done and there can be a smooth transition to the next generation, not something that needs to be sort of kept behind a cloak and, you know, some sort of grand unveiling at the day that the will is read. You know, (laughs) this is laid out on the table um, when everyone is friends and of sound mind and, and well being just to, to to you know to discuss and plan properly. So yeah, the agri one is the one that on a day to day basis I am exposed to. And I've got some brilliant clients who we are, we have done and are doing great succession planning work with. But I also have clients that just, you know, it doesn't matter how many times we tell them, it's still not getting done and the consequences are potentially life changing.
3: Do you think there's a fear, Richard? There because I know, you know, in in one of our um, podcasts we talk about the important paperwork draw, and people are terrified that they think they should understand everything before having a conversation. Um, you know, and if you, the, the, I suppose the the vision of a financial advisor or a solicitor is not necessarily one that you would automatically assume with a relationship in agriculture.
2: No, the first, the first thing is, you know, the, 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 there's a lack, there's a fear. And I think there's a there's a sort of a preconception in terms of, you know, what you are and what you stand for. So if you've got a solicitor who's pestering you about doing your succession planning, he must be short of work and he must want to, you know, open your pockets and take your money out of your pocket. Um, if there's a financial planner that wants to sit down and have a conversation with you, well, what's in it for them? Why are they bothered? You know, that they're the kind of, uh, emotional responses you can expect to get from people within that within within their minds when when a when a lawyer and a financial advisor is talked about and unfortunately you know um how mean specifics are probably people in our respective sectors that haven't done us some favors over the years in that in that in that respect um so you know its it's breaking down those barriers really but i mean I've got clients who you know that they're afraid of opening the post let alone dealing sitting down and talking openly with someone about the finances
0: do you think the this reticence that you're experiencing in the agri sector might extend actually to family businesses because it tends to be family businesses where yeah. some of these uh, some of these attitudes perpetuate themselves
2: yeah i, I think that's a fair extension I, I, obviously with my my the majority of my involvement apart from my own uh, family business i'm involved the majority of my experience He's in the agri sector, but yes, you can see the similarities and, and exactly the same mentality. They 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 get on with the daily graphs and everything about growing the business and doing what's right for the business, and, and only you know rarely pause for thought about what's what, what's what's their plan. You know where are they going, and uh, 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 you know are they looking after themselves correctly? <music>
3: fortunate Richard to um see a fantastic testimonial video um for a about, about you uh, recently and what came across was the relationship that you had with um the the farming family uh, on the video and how how do you go about breaking down some of those barriers and perceptions
1: yeah,
2: I, I, I think it, it's, it's, I mean, I, what am I now? I'm, I'm sort of 20, 20 years into my agri uh, career, um, as it were. It, it's, it's a sector that is very standoffish and it's all about community involvement, being there, being present, being seen, be, being trusted. You know, so I, I I was fortunate to be involved in, in uh, the Young Farmers organization when I came back from uni. A lot of my friends happened to be farmers a lot of my, my, although my father didn't go into farming, he, he went into commercial property. His, his family and the wider family uh, are involved and, and, and are farmers. So, you know, you've got that immediate kind of plug into a community and it just takes time to build up that um, warmth and trust towards you. You know, when I started in Agri, I always was very uh, admirable of the relationship that, that my farming clients had with their accountants their land agent, their bank manager, um, and the word I, or the phrase I use was trusted advisor, and, and all I wanted to do was to be effectively included in that circle of trusted advisors. And I hope that that's, and I think from some of the feedback that we've had, that's, that's exactly what we've achieved basically. And that, that involves not just talking to your clients about the job in hand, it means about taking a genuine interest in, in what they do, what what issues are of concern to them now going forward, you know, getting to know the family, getting to know the personalities and, you know, without sounding false or whatever, being seen as a friend because, you know, a lot of the the, the clients that I work with you know mostly I, I do i do see them as, as friends and I, and I do care about their you know their uh, prosperity and their well-being as I, i've mentioned before so i think it's about just having a looking for a longer term relationship as opposed to a you know a quick book really
0: and i think it becomes very clear quite soon on in a in a conversation or a process who are the genuine guys and who are the ones that are out to to make a quick book you can just uh, get a feel for it and you know these people who have been running businesses in many cases for generations. You know they're not daft; they can judge a character, and that's perhaps why you've enjoyed the success you have, Richard, because you've taken approach, taken the approach that you've taken over the years. And a lot yeah, of them, uh, th- throughout this pod, you, you know, we've we've heard that time and a- time and again about Rachel and the team. It's about a feeling that you get um, that's very difficult to replicate, actually.
2: Yeah, most certainly it is. And I think if you if you have got that person, the difficulty I think with that actually is then transferring that into a team setting, because if you just build these one to one relationships with clients, you go on holiday for a fortnight, you, you, the, the, they've lost you. And if they need you, they need you, they need that support. And I think actually in Agri, that's what we've been very good at with regards to we, we've got a team approach. You know, a client doesn't just have one point of contact. Yes, they've got my mobile phone. Yes, they've got my direct line. But they also have people within the team that they work closely with on a day-to-day basis when we're looking after them. So they know that it's not just, what you know, one-to-one. And I, I am kind of a, a person under a bus syndrome here all the time. I always try and, to, in, within our own business, try and uh, have an element of succession to it. If one day I'm not here or if I'm not available, there's someone else they're going to be to look after them. And I think that's really important.
3: Yeah, it is really important. And again, you know, we do the same with uh, with Pam and, and Abigail and Gemma um, to a certain extent because, like you say, it's the cl- you need them to be comfortable with everybody, not just uh, not just us. Um, so yeah, no, it's great. So it's so interesting sitting and listening to you uh, talking about it all as well, and especially when you've got so many other things going on.
0: Richard, one of the things that we uh, discuss on this pod, it's called the Financial Freedom Podcast, and we discuss what financial freedom means to individuals. And I'm really interested to hear what financial freedom means to you.
2: I'm probably interested to hear what financial freedom means to me as well. Um, <laughs> uh I guess I guess what financial freedom means to me is that knowing that one day I can walk away in a, a very kind of organized, planned fashion from my legal career, whenever that, whenever, whenever that point in time is, and know that I will be financially secure for the lifestyle and the life that I want to enjoy from that point onwards. So, you know, I, I, I'm very I've been very clear when I when I started my career. I was a, I was a partner at the age of 26. I was an o- owner of the business by the age of 30. Normally, you're you're about 40 by the time you get to be a partner in a law firm. So if you do 25 years by 65, you you know you're ready for the you're ready for the the golf course and the bowling club and things like that because you head's that mashed up that you, you probably need to be. So <laughs> for me, I, I was exposed to that from 26. So if I give myself you know, 25, 24 years—that's 50. So, I, you know, I I, I want to be able to to hang up my legal boots at the age of 50, and I and I talk about that inside this business all the time. So that gives me 11 years of practice. So, uh, you know, for me, I'm on a countdown—not in terms of you know countdown as in you know I can put my feet up, but a countdown in terms of getting my ducks in order um, from a financial planning perspective of where I I'm going to be in terms of the the other the, the businesses that we've got outside of outside of my interests here. But also what I'm going to be doing with the firm, what I'm going to be doing with my financial interest in the firm and what I'm going to be doing for my, my tax planning and my pension planning uh, throughout that time, really. So I guess financial freedom means for me being able to walk away from, from my legal career at the age of 50 on exceptional terms with the firm that I'm, I'm leaving and um, and into a world where, my my finances are, are, are well taken care of and planned for.
0: That actually sounds like you might have thought it out before. It
2: does. Well I didn't. Done. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't actually. So, that's, uh, but that's sometimes being
0: that. sometimes being put on the spot in that way does. You know, you, you you're thinking from the top of your head about the things that really matter to you. You mentioned getting your ducks in a row. I'm disappointed you didn't say you were getting your budgets in a row. Yeah, I'm...
2: absolutely. <laughs> See if I'd pre if I'd thought about it in advance, that would have had budgies in you see. So that probably adds to the yeah. you know how genuine that that response was. But yeah, so we. So, must... I mean, and actually, in actually, in all fairness, in all fairness, the budgies are are part of my assignment planning as well. Yes, because yeah. um,
0: let's, let's get know. on to them. Let's get on to yeah. the budgies. Um, what yeah. makes a good budgie?
2: Uh, style, shape, and deportment. They're the sort of three categories assessment that any judge uh, looks at. When assessing a pedigree budgerigar on in an exhibition context, basically, so the the pedigree side is like it's a totally it's almost like a different animal completely to the the, the pet that you would see um, in your local pet shop or online or whatever. It's a it's a it's a totally different creature, and it continues to evolve in terms of its desirable physical features and things. So, and we see uh, well,
0: we'll see a new story about a pigeon that's sold for
2: a crazy amount yeah, of money yeah, how,
0: how much would a championship budgerigar cost me
2: um so so basically it, it, and it depends and that isn't sort of giving a sort of a you know a fudge answer it really depends because it depends what you what you're buying it depends what you're selling it depends you know who the buyer and seller are you know there are people in uh, abroad in particular who are and who have been willing to invest considerable sums you know thousands and thousands of pounds in acquiring a particular bird um i visited just a couple of weekends ago a guy in switzerland who retired from teaching who has done uh the selling of of budgerigars for uh, um many years now and you know he lives in a beautiful village in switzerland in the mountains he has pretty perfect life in that sense and it's all funded through um selling budgerigars across europe and the middle east so you know it's 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 a, a hobby basically it's it's like it is like um it's like a small business that you start because you love doing it and and i when i when I started this hobby, I wasn't the most um uh popular school kid to put it bluntly um I was not sporty at all um i wasn't you know as I say I wasn't popular really, so it was a hobby for me to to have an interest in. Um, to keep me off the, the, the street corners of Wigton, which I wouldn't have lasted two minutes anyway. Um, <laughs> and and through the kind of interest, through the passion I had, through the, I guess, family heritage of dealing with pedigree livestock as well, that's brought that out with me. Um, I've managed to have some absolutely amazing, amazing experiences. I mean, two weekends ago, I was in Germany and Switzerland. I was sat around a table. There were There were 13 people around the table. And there were twelve countries represented, from you know Mexico to Iraq, to Spain, Italy, Germany, Switzerland, Ireland, and you experience just such a diverse array of of people and of places. I've been to through the judging side and doing presentations. I've been to California. I've been to Las Vegas. I've been all over Europe. I've been to Kuwait, um, and the the it's a quite a small niche world, but it's one that. Allows, allows you to sort of broaden your horizons and go to places that you would never have dreamt of really and all the time you're learning life skills, you're learning how to communicate with people, you're learning how to do presentations, you're learning how to, um, uh, you know, plan for the future because you're planning for the future of the, of the, of the pedigree and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful hobby and I've, I wouldn't be the person that I am today without it, I for certain.
0: It's so interesting. It's a, it's a it's a good one for the office on Monday, isn't it? Good weekend, yeah, yeah. what did you get yeah, up to? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was a bookie show in Kuwait, actually.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, and it, and it's and it's um, you know, it's a, it, if you're ever at a dinner, you know, professional dinner, and sometimes the professional tables are a great laugh, and you know, the conversation flows. Other times, it can be pretty pretty stagnant. You know, you throw that into a conversation, you've got at least an hour of crack. Um, you know, and it and it really it does it does help because people are like, are you're you joking. Um, And then you get the pictures, and then you get the inevitable um, Mickey taking, uh, and I've got some great sort of of get-out-of-jails on that one because um, Formula One world champion international sex symbol that was James Hunt um was a fellow pedigree butchery guard breeder. So anyone who wants to say it isn't cool or whatever, I'll just I'll refer you to the history of James Hunt. Admittedly, I don't want to die of a heart attack in the mid forties, but um he was a pretty cool guy nonetheless. So, you know, over to you. Who can follow that?
3: Well I don't think you can really but I think it just you know it looks at the full range of uh of diversity and think bearing in mind that especially Seria is agriculture, I think it takes farming diversification to a whole different level. <laughs> um and, and, and I and I don't think I think it would be rude of us to to um forget uh not mention Sarah as well because yes. there are businesses branching out um in every direction and, and I think yep. it's you know also part of the strategy that um that Richard would quite happily have more options of being a kept man. Um if, absolutely um, you know, I'm if, all, if, for, that. If, all for that but I think the key message is that what financial freedom means to everybody is so different, but it's about giving you the choice and the options. You know, if if you don't have these conversations, and it ends up where you haven't planned and you didn't have your ducks in a row. Then you're just removing choice. Um, so, um, any advice to anybody really, whether it's farming um, or whatever sector you're in, is just have that conversation and bring to life what financial freedom means to you and what you want your future to look like. And that's not about how much money you've got, it's about what you want.
2: Yeah, and I think there's also some sort of naive perceptions about, you know, people will think about, well, what's going to make the financial security in the future, is it going to be inheritance? Or I'll just work hard. Um, You know, it it, it, it doesn't actually work out into sustainable and and practical figures. Um, You know, I think when we sat down, I said I want to finish at 50, and you sort of gave me some ballpark figures of what we would need to have in place by then you know it's a it's a real sort of eye-opener In you sticking, know
3: Richard. it's
2: it a is, lot of budgies yeah it's a lot of budgies but that's it you know and I, but so i i know where i've got to be in terms of where my pension are. i know where my my other business interests need to be and i know that i've you know if i want to have some some top up income then i'll have to have something like the the, the, the budgie uh, uh i'll be uh on the go as well so you know it's um I, I have a clearer plan now than I've ever had, really, and it's it's a huge thank you to 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 yourself, Rachel and Pam, and the rest of the team, uh, for you know because of that, really.
0: Now, every week in the pod, we take a myth and we bust it right open. Normally, the myth comes from us, but today we're going to hand over to Richard, and I'm going to ask you, Richard. What myths or what's the greatest myth that you come up against or experience in your career?
2: The biggest myth to bust in my sector, and it's particularly prevalent to me because I've always had someone, you know, I don't drive an old clapped out car or whatever. I like to go, I like to drive nice cars. I like to go nice places. And because of that, you project an image where people automatically have a a feeling that oh well you 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 must be expensive you're no good for me and that has actually been said to me in a farmyard with wellies on um whilst glancing over at my car you know (laughs) i I, i'm not expensive i the 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 value that i add and the experience that i bring to the table is is you know i i think unique for 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 cumbria and, and and the northeast and the areas that i work in the sector that i work in and i think that as well as the, the legal side, which I'm, I'm obviously fully versed with. I have a unique insight into businesses and how, what, what the concerns are, what the same issues, the same problems on a day-to-day basis, especially in a family business setting. I also have that perspective. Mm. And I think that allows me to take a step further with the advice that I give clients. And a lot of the time clients will turn to me and say, well, what would you do? Now, I can tell you that the majority of professional advisors in the legal sector, when asked that question, will respond with the following words, well, that's not my place to answer. And I would very, very rarely use that that response to to, to, a, to a, a client who asked that question, because if they ask me what my opinion is and what I would do, I will tell them what my opinion is and I would tell them what I would do. And I can only do that because of the, the wider experience and knowledge that I've got. So the, the concept of expensive or the concept of perceived you're going to cost me a fortune versus the actual unique service that you provide and the financial perils and legal problems that you can so you can help people avoid along the way it actually it's it's an investment as much as an investment uh, as anything basically in terms of people um utilizing utilizing my my, my legal services
0: what a uh, fantastic myth and moreover what a a very thorough and true answer. That brings us to the end of the pod. So Rachel and Pam, thank you very much for your time. Richard, and we would normally read the full title of a guest here, but for now we'll stick to Richard Miller, equity partner with local law firm Burnett's and Budgery Gar, breeder extraordinaire. Thank you so much for your time, your insights and your views. Thanks, guys.
3: Thanks, Richard. Thank you very
2: much. Thanks Thanks guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time.
0: We always want to hear what you've got to say about the pod. So if you've got any questions or comments, just head to our social media channels across Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Search for Rachel Bell Wealth Management and as if by magic, the ladies will appear or you can head to our website rachelbellwealthmanagement.co.uk where there's a contact us form. We also need you to know that the value of an investment with St James's Place will be directly linked to the performance of the funds you select and the value can therefore go down as well as up. You may get back less than you invested. The levels and basis of taxation and reliefs from taxation can change at any time. The value of any tax relief depends on individual circumstances. Rachel Bell Wealth Management is an appointed representative of and represents only St. James's Place Wealth Management PLC, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority for the purpose of advising solely on the group's wealth management products and services, more details of which are set out on the group's website, sjp.co.uk.